You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders. I'm Mel. I help connect businesses with tech talent. And today, I'm your host. Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Australia podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across Australia to discuss industry challenges, passions, and ideas. I'm Mel, and I connect businesses with talented freelancers in the data market. Today, I'm joined by Sohan Domingo, the Head of Innovation at Fujitsu, Faraz Hamdan, Data Governance Lead at KPMG, and Vishal Shukla, Head of Data Governance at Westpac, to discuss leadership, how to get the best out of your software team. Before we delve deeper into that topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Sohan, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure, Mel. Thank you very much for the introduction. Uh, my name is Sohan Domingo, and I lead the Fujitsu Innovation Team responsible for the APAC region. Uh, my day-to-day uh, activities is I look at ways to explore innovation both internally uh, within Fujitsu and externally by collaborating with customers and partners. And this collaboration means could also include, by the way, co-creating solutions with them. So my end goal is to introduce innovation that can improve the world will benefit the future generations with the latest technology we are developing today. And I strongly believe together with innovation, we can create a better world. And things that I'm really uh, passionate about is emerging technology uh, around artificial intelligence, machine learning, and and digital twin. Uh, Look at ways to actually bring both of this together and provide solutions that can address uh, today's world's pressing, pressing issues. All right. And then we have Faraz. Yeah, thanks, Dylan. Thanks for having me. My name is Faraz Hamden. I'm working as a data governance lead at KPMG Australia. I have almost uh, 20 years of experience leading data analytics and governance programs across a variety of uh, sectors and industries, including consulting, uh, banking and financial services, telecommunications, retail, assets management, and many other uh, sectors. Uh, by study, I'm a computer engineer. I'm currently uh, finalizing uh, my master's degree at the University of New South Wales, majoring in data analytics. And this is the thing that I'm passionate about, is uh, how to create value to businesses uh, from their data. In addition to my passion of creating a lasting culture of governance in the organization I work with. Amazing. And last but not least, we've got Vishal. Hi guys, thank you Mel uh, for uh, letting us all in and letting us speak to people who are really passionate about what they do. Um, my name is Vishal Shukla. I go by the name Vish. Um, just like wish you Merry Christmas. <laughs> nice and easy. Um, I look after, uh, I, in my personal role, I look after head of uh, data management and governance. Um, and the kind of gig that I do on a day-to-day basis is to look after and actually work hands-on off uh, with a team of about 10 people, uh, which is composed of specialists um, and data engineers. Um, my journey into the world of uh, working started as a specialist in enterprise resource planning softwares. Um, but over a period of time, I grew into, after my master's, I grew into consulting, did that for a bit, lived around the world um, and then slowly moved towards information management consulting, which led me towards the analytics pathway. Um, things that I'm really passionate about, um, I think work-wise, making a difference with data is something which really motivates and drives me. And that's what I see as a day-to-day thing and that's what keeps me ticking along because there are so many opportunities so long as you know what you're doing and so long as you put the right skill set, um, I think this is one space in which everyone can excel. Um, and that's kind of my personal motto and my team's motto as well. Um, at a personal level, um, well, I, if I was not doing this job, I'd definitely be a carpenter, a woodworker, because I'm really passionate about that as well. Um, and depending on whom do you ask, I might be really good and my might not be that good. So I go with the really good for now. Um, That is it from me. Look forward to speaking to all of you. 
Amazing. Now that we have established the context for each of you, let's move on to the topic of focus. You all have a question or a statement on leadership. As usual, I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reason behind it. Each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. So, Sohan, let's start with you. Your question is, how leadership can encourage innovation and creativity in a team? Thank you, Mal. I talked about this question because I think it's important that it comes from uh, uh, the leadership, anything to do when it comes to encouraging innovation and creativity in the team. I feel that leadership plays a critical role in encouraging innovation and creativity within the team. And uh, some of the ways that I believe leadership can do that is by encouraging open communication. Uh, leaders should encourage opening communication in a software team, for example, or it could even be a small innovation team where you have a combination of technical members and non-technical members. Create an environment where team members feel comfortable sharing their ideas and suggestions in today's world without fear of criticism or rejection, to be honest. Um, and that's why that's where innovation thrives, when, when you're not afraid to think out of the box and, 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 and do stuff. And that's why we see companies like Apple and Google have changed the world, because it started with two people in the garage thinking different from others. Um, we also need to empower team members. Leaders should empower team men members, I believe, to take ownership of their work and provide them assurance and support them as they keep proceeding with their work. Mentorship and training should be provided by the leadership to your team members. You also need to foster a culture of experimental, uh, experimentation. Uh, you know, it took uh, Thomas uh, Alva Edison 2000 tries to come up with a light bulb. And uh, so if we don't encourage in today's world, if leaders do not encourage a culture of experimentation uh, and, and shunt failure, you will never have innovation. So I think uh, a culture of experimentation should be fostered in, in within the team to try things. And if you fail, that's fine. Take risks, learn from your mistakes and move on. And important is celebrating small wins. I'll give you an example in a software um, company when we start developing code and we say, this is what we're going to innovate. Everyone waits for the whole product to be successful, implemented in the customer's uh, premises, a revenue building product that is scalable. And then everyone celebrates uh, uh, the victory. But I think if you start uh, celebrating baby steps, that motivates the team to think out of the box and do more. You also need to acknowledge failure and provide constructive feedback to help team members grow and develop. Um, as leaders, I believe you also need to set clear goals and expectations. Uh, so in a team, uh, in an innovation team, especially the one that I'm hand, uh, handling in Fujitsu, I make sure that the goals and expectations are clearly set so that every team member knows what is expected out of them. And that needs to be aligned to the vision, mission of the leader and a company as a whole. And finally, I would like to end it up by saying, you need to recognize and avoid innovation. We need to recognize and avoid innovation. And that could be maybe a pat on the back, but a formal recognition letter sometimes help. Bonuses and promotions also help sometimes. And this basically pushes creativity around the organization when the team members see that leadership recognizes and rewards innovation. So I think leadership plays a critical role in creating a culture of innovation and creativity within a team. I couldn't agree more, Sohan, absolutely. Vishal, did you want to give your comments on that? Um, I think Sohan has raised a very relevant question to what happens around us. And what we have to acknowledge is uh, there are aspects playing in the background when it comes to innovation and creativity, right? You to think about what is it that really kills innovation and creativity. And if you look at the traditional way of working, um, and the traditional way of working has been built around you to de-risk everything, you want to make sure that you are always successful, you want to make sure that you are calculating everything um, to the right level. Now, all of these things still are relevant. But if you look at the way the world has moved, and someone has given the example of Apple and other you know, great organizations, I think they were able to create that kind of culture when it was okay to fail. So as, as a leader, looking after my team and or even myself, we had to manage the mental battle of how do we handle the fear of failure? Because fear of failure is something, and fear of, there are two things, right, which always work with something which is new. Fear of failure and fear of new. And both of these things are, you 
cannot really you know, put your hand on them because it, people are going through it in their minds. So as a leader, it's, it's really important for you to be you know, really perceptive and understand what your, what your team and individuals are you know, going through. Like the most important bit is you need to let them be. You need to protect them and you need to create a you know, nice, fertile location in which their creativity could go forward and they could really take risks without being scared of it. Now, that's not something which is generally which happens. And that's the reason why you see less number of organizations which are right up top who have created so much value for everyone around and made a change to our lives. I think what I wanted to really um, add is the role of the leader himself or herself um, no, for them to be very aware of what they stand for. This is something that I read many years ago, and that was around the critical things that a leader should have. And one was around self-awareness. If a leader is self-aware about what their thought process is when it comes to innovation and creativity, they can slowly let it let the team learn from it and be with the team on the journey. So you've got to give them space to grow. You've got to protect them. You've got to make sure that you are uh, letting, letting them the opportunity to fail and learn from it, which someone talked about. Um, but in summary, I would say the difference is you can't be a supervisor. I think that stuff has to stop. You can't be a supervisor. You have to become a mentor. You're not managing people. Everyone's managing themselves. Um, but you need to create that environment as, as, as a leader for it to really work. Absolutely. We'll get Faraz's comments on those and then we'll throw it around the group, Faraz. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you guys. It's uh, you covered this in a good way, but I'd like to touch uh, uh, on some of the points that you mentioned. Some some of the things are related to the organizations, and you can see that the most successful organization in the world are the most innovative uh, organizations. And this is uh, I cannot let's say repeat the same examples that you've said, but. Uh, if you look at different leadership styles, when you have the leader who is supporting innovation within that team, you will find that team is performing better. And how to do this? Leaders need to, let's say, foster the culture of taking risk and um, to, to, let's say, to remove any barriers to their team, not to try new stuff or not to try new ideas. And uh, so I mentioned a good point when it comes to uh, experimentation. You need to as a leader, you need to support your team and provide them with the experimentation environment. And this is not just about, let's say, telling them or uh, let's say building a culture of innovation, but also physically providing different tools and platforms for them to, to try and experiment. And uh, what I noticed in different organizations, uh, even if you have these platforms ready, you will find that the team is busy and they are too busy to try new things. And this is also something that leaders should, let's say, look at. You need to free up your team to give them the space to try new things. You cannot try it, let's say, after hours. You need to give them the space to try new stuff. So this is one of the things that I'd like to talk about. Also, from a leadership perspective, we need to, uh, let's say, um, encourage uh, the people giving new ideas. Some, sometimes um, maybe Vichal mentioned about uh, the fear of failure or the fear of new. People, they are afraid to, to talk about new ideas. And if you just, let's say, start by building this safe environment for people to come up with the crazy ideas and to come with the new ideas, you will start building this, this culture within the organization. Uh, so this is um, these are the points that I wanted to add to what Vichal and Sohan mentioned. Amazing. Sohan, do you want to add? Uh, yeah, I just want to add to what Vishal mentioned, and uh, he clearly touched uh, touched on it very well. And if I had to uh, uh, reiterate what he exactly said, I think he spoke about micromanagement and effective leaders. If you try to go for a micromanagement leadership style, it's going to stifle creativity and innovation growth. And I've seen that happening in many organizations, and I've seen it happening also um, with me uh, in, in my personal career. We have had leaders who were micromanagers and uh, 
um, you know, they, they come from an environment where they want to ensure everything is done correctly. And that's why micromanagement comes into play. But in, in the long run, it's going to be very counterproductive. Uh, you know, it can be counterproductive in the in, in the long run. But when you have effective leaders they under, who, who are about innovation and creativity and not micromanagers, they understand the importance of delegating responsibility to their team members. It's very important to say, hey, team member, I've hired you for a reason because I trust you, and I'm giving you the autonomy to make decisions and take ownership of my work. Just because, you have a lead, just because you're a leader today doesn't mean the others below you are not. Everyone is born with some kind of leadership skills or the other. It's a matter of just refining it and applying it in your work and, and in your in, in your day-to-day -day lives. So by trusting your team members, empowering them to make their own decisions, you can cultivate this culture of innovation and continuous improvement as opposed to be a micromanager who wants to ensure that everything is done correctly to the point. So just wanted to reemphasize on that, just what Vishal had said. Absolutely, absolutely. Vishal, did you want to make any further comments? No, I think uh, I'm just so happy that we are getting to talk about this thing. It's such a it's such a soft thing in terms of how do you get to not talk, get get people to innovate and really think creatively. Um, but to take an example of what is happening in our real lives now, right? Uh, there was one point in time where if you had to order food, you had to pick up the phone and call someone. Right? Now we are living in a world that there's there are things which are made easy for everyone, right? So you're almost getting your life customized for you. And I think that very, very closely relates to how a leader's innovation themselves has to happen over a period of time. Now, to Son's point, I've been, and I'll say this, I've been really fortunate to work with some really difficult people towards the very start of my career, right? Where things were regimental, you're expected to you know, come at a specific time, you're expected to do something at a specific time. And that's great, right? As a fresh person, you want to work for a fresh person to the workforce, you want to know those things. Uh, but then over a period of time, you learn from the mistakes that people do over a period of time to not repeat them. So I think what that leads to uh, as a leader is, we are able to give customized advice and mentorship depending on the team member that we're dealing with. Because the construct of team, um, I think it's too big. You got, you've got teams made up of individuals, right? Each one has got their own personal aspirations. They've got their own strengths, skills, personal life, things that they want to get to, things that they struggle with. And I think as a leader, you have to be really perceptive to pick those instances or those very subtle signals where a person needs a slight nudge, where a person needs a slight help, where a person really wants to do something, but they themselves are probably not aware of it, right? To take an example of Johari Window, right? There are things that none of us know about ourselves, but there are things that others know about us. And I think that creating that sense of security, opening them up to understand what is being asked of them, being very clear in terms of what we want to do, uh, but also being so supportive that they're able to think outside the box. Um, we have to be, as leaders, very careful. It's, the world has changed. We are, we are about customized advice now. I can't imagine one of my initial leaders living in this kind of world wherein things have to be customized to that level. I really cannot. Um, I think uh, that would not be a great organization to work with if, by going um, around this. That's very true. So, Han, any more comments? I just want to add in something, you know, uh, back to what Michelle mentioned. Uh, he's so true about uh, what he just said, especially, you know, providing that autonomy to your uh, to your team. The thing about a good leader is not only providing that autonomy and encouraging them innovation, it's also being having the humility and being humble enough to sometimes say, yes, it is my team and give credit to the team rather than take it on themselves. And that's what's happening in today's world in some organizations where you have a bunch of people working under someone and then the credit goes to that person rather than the team because uh, the credit always stops on the, on the leadership level. And it should not be the case because great leaders try to make great leaders from someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Faraz, did you want to make further comments? Yeah, it's just a final comment from my side on this topic. It's um, I agree with the guys, um, and maybe uh, Sohan mentioned something now. It's uh, 
the their leaders make some sometimes they make this mistake that they uh, try to get the credit from their team and this is against whatever we discussed at the beginning it's creating the unsafe environment for the people so um, leadership is about people so it's important to work about uh, or to work on this to make sure that even people are having good relationship with the leader is an essential part of this um, let's say equation um, leaders should always be outside it's not just about um, creating the outside of the box thinking within the team but they also need to look at the team from outside they should not be involved with everything within the team they just need to to step out and this is a good advice for all leaders step out from from the team and let them do what whatever they need to do absolutely vishal did you want to make one last comment um look it's all of what we're talking about is is absolutely spot on. Giving them space, becoming the mentor rather than the supervisor, understanding your team members, understanding your team composition, understanding their individual needs, and providing customized advice. All of this has to happen inside a leader's mind all the time. It's a continuous process. Because as a leader, you're also evolving, right? There are things that you need to get to your day job as well, right? There's an outcome. So being very clear about what the outcome is, what the goal is, but being sometimes not very clear about how to reach there. And I think that directional sense is great, but letting people choose their own pathway to the destination with some level of you know, governance and control to make sure that they're not veering off the path too much um, will help us get, get there. I think that's all I want to add on this one. Awesome. Thank you so much for every uh, everyone for your comments. Faraz, let's move on to your question next. The COVID-19 pandemic has led a significant change in the way people work, and many of these changes are likely to persist. As leaders, what are the main challenges that come with leading a remote software team, and how do you manage them? Faraz, do you want to kick us off? Yes, uh, thanks, Mill. Uh, actually, the COVID, we are still living, the, let's say, the after fact um, let's say results of the COVID pandemic. And it's not just the the impact on the health or the healthcare sector, but also it's on the economics. And when it comes to the economics, we are talking about the profits and the profit and loss in organizations, which is uh, the thing that people can see or it can be from a macro uh, economics, we can see it. But when you dig deep into the organization, you will see that it has an impact. And from, from a, let's say, a leadership challenges that, um, let's say, came across, or we came across is um, the, the new styles of working after the COVID. We used to have the five-day week in, in the office. And during the COVID, we are staying at home and the lockdowns and all these things. People started, let's say, having new styles. There were disruption in the way that we are working. And um, after the COVID, it's like there's a new style created. It's like working remote from home or having this hybrid environment where you, you do half of your week or a few days in the office and the, the remaining of the week um, at home. Now, during the, the transition phase, um, during the COVID and the, the, the period, the, the short period after the COVID, people were, let's say, still having these challenges from at communications, collaboration within the teams. There were some challenges. People, uh, productivity went down because of all these, let's say, challenges. What I can see from um, um, what, how the, this evolved, that organization were able to overcome all these things that could be solved by technology. So we have all these platforms and tools where communication is easier and we have the collaboration tools and we are used to, to have these, let's say, we are used to these tools now and everyone now. Um, I remember when we started, let's say, talking to each other, it's like everyone is in mute and now it's it's easier. No one, I noticed that it's less uh, noticed that everyone now is uh, not in mute from the beginning. So it's, it's good that we have this, uh, let's say, new culture we used to this. But the, on the other side, there are some challenges that are still there. And I see them, let's say, will be there as long as we are using or we are working these uh, these ways. 
One thing is related to uh, the, let's say, the mental health and the work-life balance. And uh, this is this is a very important uh, um, point because as a leader, when you are in the office, you can notice people uh, better. You can read people. You can understand what's happening. But when they are at home, you cannot, let's say, see whatever you can see when they are in the office. So as leaders, we need to make sure that we have um, this continuous, let's say, chickens with our uh, team members to make sure that they are good and they are having a good work-life balance. We need to limit the time that they are spending uh, working because the new style is like we are having meetings after working hours. It's like the the work be became part of our life, and now it's not easy to to have this work-life balance. And um, another challenge, which is to me, is the main challenge is uh, to, to build this um, uh, strong sense of community. When we were in the office, the, the team, say, sense of community is, is strong. Now it's it's not. And um, even for, for, from my side, or from my perspective, when it comes to going to the office even a day or two in a week, I'd like to, to make sure that I'm going in the least uh, busy days of the week. I don't want to go to the office and spend my day in meetings sitting in front of uh, the, the screen. It's good for leaders to make sure that people are coming to the office to build this team cohesion and to make sure that people are rebuilding all these things that we used to have, the good things that we used to have before COVID. So that's it from my side. Absolutely, absolutely. Vishal, did you want to make some comments on Faraz's question? Absolutely. I think Faraz raised a really, really, really um, relevant and important question. I think what we've got to look at is uh, whether a leader can make what Faraz said works or not depends on a few aspects, right? So you've got to look at what COVID taught us. Um, it taught us that you're looking at individuals, right? Earlier in the day, just assume people to be there every day at a certain time of the day. Yeah. And most of their personal responsibilities were built around that core structure of being at work. Um, in certain business models, uh, and I can only imagine, right, where, where Farah is coming from, uh, in a consulting environment, it's really hard to do consulting when you're not there. And, and as an ex-consultant who has worked for KPMD as well in the past, it is really, really hard. Like, how do you uh, get someone who is young who wants to learn or how do you get someone who's an expert to really be the customer right customers not paying for a phone call they want us to be there to solve help them solve what they're trying to solve for so that business model i think it's just impractical to expect people um, not to not be there all the time but i think the flip side of it is again with COVID, we learned that there are pe people are able to adapt to their situations now we just went through a once in a hundred year event. So people learned what happened. They've, they've learned, they've inculcated in their habits, they've become comfortable with it. And now there's another set of learning to try to somehow find that balance wherein the team comes in together. I think for us point is correctly, when you are there as a leader, you want to make sure you spend time with them because you can't see them. Uh, but again, as a leader, you can inculcate habits through with not turning on your camera um, if and when you need, and also giving them the opportunity not to, of course, no. Um, it's it's perfectly fine. But then those one-on-one -on -one conversations, those team meetings, those Friday drinks, um, all of those things do play a role because that's where you connect with humans. Uh, um, having said that, well, people are lives as well and everyone's vulnerable to what happens in their lives. So you got to respect that as a leader. Uh, and in my, in a short answer, I'd say, how do you manage a remote team? I'm almost nearing towards saying, don't. Don't try to manage them. Give them space. Give them clear directions. Give them clear expectations. And then you'll see, and I've seen it myself and my team, how people start evolving and coming around that new core structure of hybrid working. Um, or around a new core structure around which is more acceptable about their personal lives. Um, again, customized leadership, you have to have that you know, inbuilt as a leader. And that that's what I, you know, I, I had to say about uh, what Faraz has asked. So, Han, did you want to make any comments? Yeah, I, I agree with what uh, both Vishal and Faraz mentioned. Uh, you know, COVID-19 has really transformed the way we 
uh, we work, uh, be it remote or in person. You know, I, I was uh, an advocate uh, when I started my career, and this was around 20 years ago, I loved meeting people. So I was into software development, I'm a technologist, however, I also did software sales. So as this, you know, when you get into sales, uh, people buy from people they trust. And they look at your body language. They see the way you speak. You can't judge a body language uh, on a team call, for example. Yeah, and uh, even to trust a person, it will take time because you're like, I've not met this person, and he's in the U.S. and I'm here in Australia. Can I trust him uh, with innovation? Can I trust him with software development? Can I trust him with my money? And uh, and when you look into sales, people buy from people who trust, and that human touch. Uh, has been removed uh, ever since we've had this uh, uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but when it comes to software development team, uh, I've noticed when it was uh, a team of engineers sitting together and you had an, a great environment to go and think out of the box, you saw this team had a sense of belonging and cohesion, like Firas had just said. Uh, but however, in a team call, it is so hard to do that uh, remotely. But there are ways around it. You could have regular check-ins. You could uh, say, all right, once in a while, let's meet up over here for coffee. And I've sometimes seen uh, that great ideas come during a coffee break. Uh, so people are like, you know what? I think we need to have uh, a solution to fix uh, world hunger, for example. And I think this is the way it needs to be done. Uh, and as an example, I'll tell you, I was a uh, founder of a company called Tuckout. And uh, this was a time when I was working for a company and we were in our office and we said, let's go and have food. And we found out that uh, when we had to go and eat food, it was around three kilometers from where we uh, were working. So we said how nice it would have been to get some home cooked meals, uh, you know, straight in your door office. And so we went out there and quit my job and I founded this company called Tuckout, Uber for Home Cooks. And you see such ideas come when you have coffee and when you start interacting people and, and dinner. But that doesn't mean that technology has not had its benefit after COVID-19 through remote working. The same solution that we spoke about using when two humans came together was built using a remote team. So we had a remote team back overseas who actually developed the solution and we were able to go and sell it and we had few users using it. So I would say it has its negative and positive, uh, but the way I look at the world today, I think things are going towards the metaverse. There's going to be a lot of uh, digital comms happening. That doesn't mean we won't be meeting people face-to-face uh, -face and doing business, but I think more opportunities, more software development, more sales is going to go uh, digital with the evolution of uh, metaverse. So it does have its advantages and disadvantages. Absolutely. Vishal, did you want to add on? Let's take an example of what's happening now, right, right here. Um, had it been the good old days, um, and all of us would have found it really hard to find this art all together across three different organizations, and well being the fourth organization, and well would have a really tough time trying to get us together. So there's good sides to this as well, right? Otherwise, this conversation would have been very hard to have. Um, but having said that, I think coffee definitely helps. Uh, so does hunger. In Son's case, I think hunger led into, in a way. Um, but there are these intrinsic motivational factors which we'll have to find and explore as leaders. Um, one of the things that I saw over a period of time is people do switch off, right? Some, the quiet people in the team, they almost never get a voice when it comes to being online and being an online presence, right? And that sometimes is very counterproductive because some of the great ideas actually comes from those quiet people who are thinkers. They'll imbibe everything, they'll digest it, they'll process it, and then come up with that one line which might change the entire direction of your analytics platform. Um, and that's something that I've seen because the quiet ones almost never get a voice online. But the quiet ones also sometimes don't get a voice when they are there at work because the people who like to talk more, which you could term as extroverts, and sometimes I call them desperate class participants, um, would take the stage, right? And that's natural. But as a leader, again, in the context of what we're talking about, you've got to find what is that intrinsic or extrinsic motivational factor 
for those individuals or and as an entire team to work that finely balance it in a hybrid environment wherein people do get the opportunity to just go back and think right where there's no distractions no one's coming with their mask um their workplace mask on because honestly that does happen right with almost everyone you have to dress in a certain way you're expected to be a certain way you need to make sure you, have, you do lots of things you remove that mask include their personal lives and work which is not at, at will working whenever they choose to um and creating a very diverse environment where all genders all kinds of people do get an equal participation opportunity i think if you go back to the good old days that that opportunity which has been somehow created off the back of you now this nasty thing covid will slowly go away because we know that you no know, gender diversity is something which is really critical and there are aspects to the way the world has been uh, that disadvantages certain people over certain other people right and we as a leader if you really want innovation you want your team to go you want everyone to be happy you want them to you know, have positive culture and really go for it um it's important to be aware of that aspect find the balance between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation and that balance could be very different depending on the kind of person that you're dealing with if they're an extrovert they are pretty good right they have that intrinsic motivation talk if you're not an extrovert a thinker um then it might need a different strategy i think for answer the point yeah i agree with you uh, vishal with each uh, risk or with each problem there is an opportunity as well so even from a covid let's say challenges that we talked about there are some opportunities and as uh, as you mentioned we we now we can let's say hire more people in different locations with different let's say backgrounds with different with a diverse thinking it's not just about diversity from as we know it but also from let's say different uh, perspective people that are different from the way that we are doing and even working with a multicultural or uh, an international organization it's uh, it's good now how we uh, let's say having more collaboration um, between different countries or in different locations than what we used to have before covid when we were used to have everyone in the same place it's like this is us and we are sitting together we work together now we have different let's say new opportunities to start let's say taking let's say um, or utilizing all these new styles and new technologies to to expand on the opportunities that also covid gave us so han do you want to add anything I, I like what you just touched on in terms of international, um, you know, uh, relationship building using uh, digital means of comms. Because gone are the days where I would just sit on a flight. People still do it today, just to go and meet a customer or an internal uh, stakeholder within your organization to have a discussion of exactly the discussion we are having today. With a click of a button, you can get uh, researchers, uh, engineers, software engineers, sales all together in a call and try to. Uh, solve a problem and that's a big ad- advantage why i call it an advantage is because of you're trying to make the world a bit more sustainable and which means bring down your carbon footprint so now uh, using such digital means uh, you could cut down on your travel which basically reduces your carbon footprint and has we know that we are heading uh, uh, towards 2030 35 40 and we have the wef and the other organizations in the world who are trying their best to bring down uh, carbon footprint and make the world sustainable so there are advantages of of such digital comms but one of the key challenges i see with digital comms uh, that we using post uh, pandemic is you get too many invitations for conference calls and so people say let's do these conference calls just because they have the means to do these conference calls so you get out of one call and after one hour you have another or in fact just after that call you have another so uh, i think uh, there are challenges and 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 uh, advantages but hopefully this changes people uh, start uh, setting up calls which they think uh, is outcome driven rather than just having calls for the sake of having calls Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. And Vishal, last but not least, we're going to head into your question next. So, what is the secret to managing the relationship between team productivity, individual excellence, and positive team culture? I I might start by saying it's a very loaded question. And the reason it is a loaded question is because it is very relevant to what we do as leaders on a daily basis. 
does not matter the size of your team, does not matter the size of the organization, does not matter the kind of business model that you're operating. There are these three factors which are always at play. Yeah. And we briefly touched upon some of these things in our other questions. So there's a strong aspect of, well, what does productivity mean? Uh, do we know our goals? Do we know where we are heading? But then there's another aspect to do with uh, individual excellence because there might be situations when people are really good individually, but they just can't work in a team. Um, or there might be a situation that people are really, really, really uh, motivated working with others, but may not add as much value in that context. Being valuable as people, but not in that context. Um, and then there's an aspect of the third aspect of culture. Really, again, another concept which is very hard to put your fingers on. Um, and as a team which does risk analytics, does people analytics, and also does survey analytics, uh, we do run uh, surveys which can somehow identify what is it, what's the heartbeat of, or what's the beat of the organization? Are we in the right direction? Right? Is the culture, which is the Seferial concept, um, right or not? So, but then I always noticed uh, that these three things go together. Now, I'm not going to put words in your mouth and say that it's hard to achieve, but I think personally over a period of time, I've realized that it is not very different from the cost-time-quality triangle for typical project project manager body of knowledge conversation. Um, but it is very different from that in a way that you could achieve all three of them, but with very careful uh, understanding of what your objective is, what your theme is, and what the ongoing culture is. Now, all three of them are landmines, honestly, on their own. Because if you uh, are not good at any one of these aspects, the overall outcome will be shown in probably three months' time when your product is about to launch. Um, or even six months' time when you suddenly see the attrition going up or down, depending on how things are. So you've got to bring all of these aspects together. And the reason I posted this question is it indeed is a very hard cookie to crack. So I, I'd welcome, uh, what do you guys think about it? I think I do have a secret recipe and I'm happy to share that, uh, but I do want to hear from you guys as well. If I may, Ian. So uh, I, I think it is a hard cookie to crack and no doubt about it. And that's a very good question, by the way, uh, for Vishal. One of the things I think is, in terms of team productivity, individual ex excellence and positive team culture, um, I would say more collaboration, encouraging collaboration and fostering an environment of collaboration and teamwork. So if you encourage team members to work together and support one another, this can help basically have that, let's say, positive team culture. At least I try to do that within my innovation team is encouraging collaboration. And sometimes you need to beat the drum. Yeah, it's not showing PowerPoint presentations, collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. It needs to be regularly printed in your mind that yes, I have a team to work with. And, and as a leader, I try to encourage team uh, members to work together and support one another. I think as a leader as well, if I'm looking at team productivity, I, I don't want them to be running like a chicken without a head. Yeah, so for me, I need to then set up clear line objectives. By setting clear line objectives, this basically aligns them to understand what is needed, establish goals, and they go and target that goals and work towards that goal. And this way they're more productive than otherwise saying, okay, I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to do something else, but I'm really not sure whether it's going to reach my KPI or, 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 or the innovations team objective. Um, and individual ex excellence, I think it's important to recognize the individual contributions. Team contributions are good. Uh, and and uh, sometimes individual contributions are a team contribution, but recognizing and rewarding individual contributions uh, does encourage an individual to contribute more in future and also maintains a positive team culture. Absolutely. Faraz, did you want to make further comments? Yeah, this is this is a loaded question. Yes, Vichal, it's a big question, and I like the three the three components. And when I um, let's say think of this question, I like to to look at the, or to, to draw a picture for the, the three entities. It's like you have individual, you have team, and you have this culture surrounding both. But at the same time, we need to remember that team is just a group of individuals. So this is, this is the dynamics that we need to understand that a team at the end is 
uh, individuals and each one, they have their own needs and they have their own goals. But as uh, Suhan said, we need to make sure that we are aligned and we have, uh, let's say, we have in mind what the team objectives are. So we need as leaders to make sure that everyone is aligned to this thinking. And at the end, it's um, um, if you want to, to have the best team or to get the best results, you need to have the culture of which is the positive culture. If I want to 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 use that um, uh, term, term in your question, the positive culture comes when everyone is working for the team and the team is working for everyone. It's like everyone for all and uh, all for one and one for all. This is a very well known motto. So it's it's very important to make sure that we we create this culture, and uh, there's and also something uh, maybe it's very important to just start. Let's say thinking of how to create the synergy within the team. The sum of the efforts of individual efforts um, is always less than the combined effort uh, efforts of the individuals. So if everyone is let's say having that uh, let's say um, in their mind, you create this mindset and to make sure that the alignment between individual uh, individuals and team it's very important and i'll go back to suhan if he wants to add anything yeah i, I just wanted to add what you just mentioned for us in terms of objectives uh, which uh, which is so true uh, once you set these objectives in your team um you know they become kpis as well you can transition them to kpis for each and in every individual person but setting objectives aside you also need to provide continuous improvement to make sure that they become productive without pro, 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 uh, without providing constructive sorry constructive feedback um on day to day basis regular feedback uh, you know to individual team members uh, that's not really going to improve their performance. So feedback's very, very important. By providing this feedback, you ensure that each and every member of your team improves in, in, in what they're doing and achieves that objective for that six or 12 months. And I think as a leader, it's very important to lead by example. So you can, taste, you can say something, but do something else. And that really applies also as a father of two children. You can tell them, do this, do that, do this, do that. But they're like, okay, dad keeps telling me to do this and that, but he himself doesn't follow what he preaches. So practice what you preach. That's very important as a leader, lead by example. And by leading by example, you create a positive team culture and encourage individual excellence, which transitions into a team excellence. Absolutely, Vishal. So happy to hear from you guys, because now uh, it seems like the secret recipe is not that secret anymore. You, but having said that, you are pretty close. Um, look, Son's point around uh, making sure that the leader follows what they say um, and say what they do. That's really critical. That generates trust, that generates respect, that generates a purpose. Um, and now, easier said than done. Because as a leader, you're also aware of things. You can see on the horizon, you can see what's going to hit us in the future. And sometimes uh, your team's not in a position to imbibe what's going to come their way. But it, as a leader, it's you are the captain of the ship. Right? You're, it's your job to make sure we are prepared for whatever's going to come towards us. So when it comes to speaking what you mean and mean what you speak and follow the leader, be that servant leader. Um, but I think another driver for good positive team culture is to be very aware of what your people are, right? What do people stand for? What is our team motto? What is our vision? But with a, with a dose of productivity, so that we don't get carried away in ethereal concepts around. Well, let's let's build a team. We also are here to deliver. So finding that intricate balance and the way I think we can find that intricate balance is just looking at each individual, being their mentor, helping them succeed into something that they want to succeed in, rather than trying to box them into, here's a job, you got to do your job. Um, I don't think that's uh, that's relevant. I don't think that's possible. Um, I think all it does is just creates the negativity. And as leaders, you would have seen these examples. You'll see... Uh, new teams merging with your team and suddenly the culture fluctuates because uh, everyone's coming from a different set of uh, team upbringing for lack of a better word um, and as a leader you need to be aware of this coming towards you in the horizon and try to adjust things before it actually hits us um, 
So finding a balance across what is productivity, clearing, you know, clearing it out, being very clear in terms of what your expectations are, but being supportive in the meantime, and also mentoring the team slowly as individuals and as people, recognizing them, making sure that the ones which are quite well do not get unrecognized, um, do not go unrecognized, on um, making sure that the team's going in the same direction. I think that's critical to it. That's uh, that's what I thought. Firaz, I think it has a point. Yeah, I... Uh... I agree with what you you are saying, and I like the the analogy of uh, the kids and the family. It's the team sometimes, though I don't like to always talk about the business or the business team as the family. It's it's totally different to me, but it's a good analogy when you are talking about, let's say, um, you want to succeed as a team, but at the same time, you want to um, encourage the individual excellence. The same thing when you have the kids, you want them to to grow together as a family, but at the same time, you'd like to see everyone as the best version of himself or herself. So this also applies to the team. You want to have the best of each individual, but at the same time, we need to grow and succeed as a family. This is a good example. So on. Yeah, and uh, just to what Firaj just said, I think it's so important because um, family makes good society, good society makes good cities, good cities make good countries at the end of the day. So, uh, you know, I liked also what Vishal had mentioned about servant leadership. And we do some kind of servant leadership at home. You know, as a father and, and a mother of, of kids, you are like a servant leader, you always around them. So how about bringing that level of servant where you're prioritizing the needs of your children about anything else. So how about bringing that culture, prioritizing the needs of others, rather than pursuing power and personal gain into the work environment? I think software companies and technology companies need to learn more about servant leadership. And there is this very good book, as Vishal mentioned, it's called Robert K. Greenleaf. It was written in 1970. It was called The Servant has leaders, and they highlights the benefits of bringing servant leadership in in, in multi in, in big companies and organizations. And what does it mean? It's listening to your people and valuing their input. So many leaders today listen and say, "Okay, I don't value that input. It's no use because it doesn't come from me." Empathy, empathy is very very important, and understanding other people's perspective, not only yours, you know, and also supporting them in their personal and professional growth. And I believe servant leadership will play, uh, will, if, if embraced well, can play a very, very important part, not only in the growth of people within the organization, but also grow the organization as a whole from a business and revenue point of view. Because now you're thinking about others than yourself. And when you start doing that, that means you're bringing value for others than just to yourself. And it's all about value. It's a value-driven world that we live in. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'd like to thank all my guests today on our Evolution Exchange podcast. We had Sohan Domingo, the head of innovation at Fujitsu, Faraz Hamdan, data governance lead at KPMG, and Vishal Shakla, the head of data governance at Westpac. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you.